Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was one of the trailer picks on a Saturday matinee episode. You can get access to the Sat Matt shows over at patreon.com slash the next reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything we do here at the next reel. Tonight we're going to be talking about all about Nina. This was my pick from August 18th, 2018. Today's November. November 12th, 2019, and All About Nina is available on Netflix and Hoopla. Due to the vast glut of online streaming services now available that will nickel and dime you, Hoopla (laughs) is one that you can access through your public library system if they are a participant in that service. So you can shut off your Netflix, you can shut off your Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus package, your Apple... (laughs) Oh, shut it off, it just turned on today! I know. Literally, November 12th. Today's the day. I am still struggling with 
do I add it or not? And based on what I've been hearing, there's still nothing that's must-see enough for me to to commit. So I'm going to wait and see. Not yet. Not yet, but it's going to be soon. And they've had such a flurry of activity. Of course, imagine that. Shutting down and everything, so exactly. It's so as expected. Netflix and Hoopla sure. is where you can find all about Nina right now. Hey, Nina. Comedy Prime. They're going to give one lucky lady their own one-hour special. Three impersonations. Got it? Nina, this is Celine Dion. It's just Cher talking to you right now, and I believe in you. This next one is Jabba the Slut. <laughs> I met somebody. Didn't you say you were going to make me dinner? Did I say make you dinner? I meant order. It's funny and sexy and just the right amount of screwed up. Hey, what up, Nina? What are you doing here? Don't leave, don't leave. No, no, hey. Oh. Yo, so this is what you want? You want men fighting over you now? Nina, the truth will set you free. What if the truth sends you to jail? All About Nina was released into four theaters on September 28th, 2018. So just a month after that trailer came out, okay. it was in theaters. It earned a whopping $100,000. By November 4th, when it left theaters, and (laughs) it became available on Netflix in March of 2019. So, one of these small films that, back in the day of video stores, most likely would have been a direct-to-video release. So, it was your trailer. How'd you find it? Why'd you pick it? So, it it wasn't a film I'd heard of, and that's sort of one of my rules with with trailers. If it's a movie I know I want to see, I typically try to avoid the trailer. If it's something I haven't heard of, I thought, well... Let's see what this holds. And there wasn't, I went back and listened to this SatMat episode and apparently it was, it was Pete and I, and it was a dry spell on trailers because there (laughs) wasn't much to pick from. We both talked about that, that it was really tough to pick. Um, Okay. A couple things about the trailer. Uh, It was a character piece about this character, Nina Geld, and it looked like a really interesting approach to character. Uh, and I, I'm always up for a character-driven film, uh, sure. written directed by Eva Vivas. So written and directed sure. by a woman right. about a woman. So I thought this is you know there's not enough of these out there. And it had been a long time since we talked about Mary Elizabeth Winstead on Trailer Rewind. We talked about her in Faults back in December of 2017. And right. she's one of these actresses. Actually, if you so great if, in Faults. If you go to Letterboxd and you look at All About Nina. One of like the first reviews that shows up is like, where is Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Oscar? So, you know, she's one of these actresses that I'm never disappointed in. So I thought here she is carrying a drama. She typically, you know, she got started off doing a lot of the horror genre films. I think a lot of people maybe discovered her in uh, Tarantino's Death Proof. I think she was like in one of the Final Destination films. So this is getting into more, you know, serious drama and character piece and that's what really drew me have to be in a big movie to get an oscar though oh yeah in in her imdb it shows coming out next year she's going to be in birds of prey which is kind of exciting yeah another genre Um, genre film yeah superhero territory yes yeah (laughs) superhero i never think of that as a genre but i guess that makes sense she was in gemini man but i know that that was a a a terrific failure here just a couple uh, a couple weeks ago but um yeah i think she needs to be in a big movie i think she needs to be in something that's going to be uh, at least to get Oscar. Uh, oh, I Oscar I agree. And I, I take that as why isn't she in those types of films? You know, based on what she's shown, she's capable of. Why isn't she in those types of films? And I don't know if that's her own personal choice, if it's just not she hasn't found the right part. Uh, but yeah, as an actress, I, I bring up the Birds of Prey yeah. thing because she, that shows she's doing something a little bit bigger. Oh, yes. Definitely. But that, of course, isn't going to be an Oscar, you know, bait type thing. But um but that at least it's going to have a budget and it's going to have a, a viewership yes. with it too. Yes, maybe get her in front of more more eyeballs, you know, spread her sort of brand name out there. Right, and that movie's woman-driven too. You know, Margot yes. Robbie put that one out. So maybe that has something to do with it for uh, Mary Elizabeth instead. Yeah, it? so that's what really drew me to this trailer was I just, you know, have always enjoyed her work and thought here's something that's a little bit more of a, a straight drama uh, and character focus. Oh, yeah. So I thought this seems... Perfect type of film for us to discuss on a trailer rewind. I agree. Oh, $100,000 of it. <laughs> <laughs> so how much do you enjoy stand-up comedy? Since this is a film that even from the trailer, you can see it's the story of a stand-up comedian. Yeah. What, you know, because we, we did, uh, we, we have touched on this territory before, sort of in the improv world. 
It, right. But this is more, you know, stand up. So is it? Is, don't think twice. Yes. Yeah. Don't think twice. Um, but it, it's relatively, I think it's the same kind of movie. Those don't think twice. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the same sort of expose of a career in comedy, just a different sort of outlet for the comedy to come through. I, to, you ask about stand up comedy. I'm uh, uh, really interested in the mystique or the subculture of stand-up comedy. I've watched a good deal of it. Uh, not, I, I know people who have been, who've studied a lot, a lot more, you know, our own Tommy Hansen is a, is, is yes. kind of a scholar when it comes to stand-up comedy. Um, I, I like it a lot. I find myself choosing stand-up comedy every so often, um, it, even in Netflix today, which they have this huge sort of corner on stand-up yes. comedy right now, which I think is great. Um, you know, the new Dave Chappelle stuff has just come out yep. recently, and I've watched all that. So, I. But that all that being said, your, your question was how much do I enjoy it? Yes. Um, I don't know that I laugh a whole lot about it i'm more interested in in how it works and about everything there so this movie is kind of perfect for me in terms of the uh, the underbelly of what's going on with a stand-up comedy and stand-up comedians um uh the movie this movie really hit me in a in in a deep way it took a while to get there but when it went there i was i was i was all in for it yeah it's as i started watching this as we start with Nina and get a sense of her, her style of comedy, what her routine is like, uh, it, it brought up something that my wife and I have often discussed and that's the role of, you know, women in stand-up comedy. And it yeah. seems that there are some where, you, you know, with, with men, there was always, Oh, are they a clean comedian or not? Is it necessary to swear or not to be funny? And you, you know, have, you know, comedians like, you know, Eddie Murphy back in the eighties where, you know, you know, R rated, you know, stand up comedy movie raw hits theaters. And it's like, Oh, it's the different Eddie Murphy that you won't see on TV versus clean comedians. And, but with women, it seems to be not whether it's clean comedy or not, it's, do they need to get graphic you know, is it, do they need to be yeah. crude and graphic to, to be funny? Because it, it seems to pivot on that. Oh, we don't expect that from women, which goes back to, you know, conversations of the sort of the raunchy female comedies with like bridesmaids of those being these yeah. surprise hits. Um, and is that something that's necessary for women to be successful in stand up comedy? Or is that um, a crutch that some of them use as sort of a shortcut? So I was intrigued to see how that played out in this film, knowing that it's written by, written and directed by a woman, uh, yeah. what this approach to comedy was going to be. And as we started with that type of comedy, I thought, okay, this is, I'll be intrigued to see if her style of comedy changes as we take this journey with her or what is the, what is, what it is about her, what it's trying to tell us about her. Yeah. And I think, you know, women comics in general don't get a fair shake. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the knock, right? That's the conventional wisdom out there is that women comics are con are continually fighting against the stereotype that they're, uh, that they're not funny because they're women. And I just think that's yeah. wrong. And I think kind of the, the circular way this film addressed that, right? It didn't actually, it didn't try to confront it head on. It just showed a situation where they pitted a number of women comics against each other for one role in an effort to be more inclusive and, you know, and said that they were all vying for one particular spot. Yes. I think that was, I think that was a very clever way to address it and how all the women reacted to it. I thought was great. That scene where, uh, where Nina gets the call mm -hmm. yes. and they all react that you could compare that directly to the same sort of scene that happens in uh, Don't Think Twice. And it's so much more powerful and real and felt really like in the skin of comics here in this movie. Not that it didn't do, not that the one in Don't Think Twice wasn't, a, it wasn't good on its own. But when you compare the two, this one felt so real about these women who were, who were, trying to find some solidarity and supporting each other and yet still yes. <laughs> wanting it all for themselves so badly. It was so good. And it was such, such sarcasm and such, uh, such real sort of raw comedy in that moment. And I, I just thought it was great. That's one of the things that uh, I don't want to say it makes me uncomfortable, but it's, we're two guys talking about this movie. And yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I struggled with by the time I got to the it's end of this. Um, because I I really enjoyed this movie. I think it made some really smart choices. 
But again, I it's one that I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and watch with my wife yet to get her perspective on this. Right. Um, as we get into the story, it's it's not the most comfortable story to sit down <laughs> and watch either. And so it has to strike yeah. a very uh, very tight balance on on what it's doing and what it's saying. But I mean, to start off, as I said, we we start with Nina and her sort of you know what her her, her comedy is like. We get that. Um, you know, clips of her, of her routine and just what sort of a typical night with Nina is, is she's, you know, in comedy clubs and picks up a guy, um, you know, it, we get a sense from her comedy. She's not into relationships. She picks up this guy for this one night stand, takes him back to her apartment and there's another guy there. So it's, you know, how complex is her life? What's going on? Uh, but we learn this is someone that she's had a sort of on and off again relationship. Uh, he's a cop. He's married, but he's also really abusive. And, you know, we we see that early on because the guy she's picked up says, I'm out of here. This is it. And this first thing that Joe does is he smacks her really hard across the face. But that doesn't stop her from hooking up with him. That night, which to right. me, we, we get a whole lot about Nina very early on here, um, just in those scenes of here she is as a comedian. Here's what sort of a typical night is like. This is what her life is. This is the world that she's living in. And it's not a really sunny place to be living in out here in New York. You know, again, it's a lot of a lot of stuff at, at night, which is going to be a sharp contrast to where she goes um, out east because she decides after confronting um joe's wife uh who basically chews out nina and nina says look you got to do something about your husband i can't stop myself basically i can't control myself when he's around you've got to do something about this and right that's she's not afraid of him yeah too. oh yeah i mean it's such a weird mixture of feelings that she's dealing with i mean those scenes this movie carries all of the trigger warnings right i mean if 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 domestic violence is is a problem for you you should not watch this mm-hmm. i mean this is going to trigger it's going to jump right into those spots and oh yeah it's terrifying what she's dealing with and uh, you know she's running from it but i don't know that that's necessarily the wrong decision in this case <laughs> well and then we get a quick scene with before she before nina heads out to la she stops to visit her mom and what i think is probably supposed to be like one of the demonstrate like the most awkward relationship between a mother and daughter that I can think of because yeah. it's, you know, mom's, you know, all about the dog. And then she says, Oh, look, I've got this, I've got something for you before you go. And it's a list of like reliable plumbers. She got off of Angie's list because <laughs> you never know, you know, if you don't have hot water and I, I'm thinking this is, this is the extent of this, the depth of this relationship between a mother right. and daughter. So clearly there's there's something off here, which again, I think and supports for, Nina. Just she does not have deep relationships with anybody in her life. We get early and on. For a character piece like this movie is, the storytelling is really mature. Because and and I don't mean mature in the way of like not for kids. I just think it's really well done, is what I mean to say, in that there's nothing that's spoon fed for you here. Yes. All of these quirks and uncomfortable things that happen here in the first act get paid off in 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 really sort of great uh, show not tell ways over the course of this movie. And uh, and I just thought that was wonderful. I didn't. I wasn't really into it during these sections. I thought it was too stark and too too uh, too. Uh, I don't know. Stark is the word that I can think of right now. But it was it was too it was too straight for me at the beginning. It was too hard for me to get into it. It wasn't until we started making emotional turns at the end that I really started to understand why these awkward early moments in this movie made sense. Oh, this is a, this, this movie is, it slowly, slowly builds to something that is, it rewards everything that you've, you've gone along with. But I, I think it, it plays the, it plots along very well in giving us all the information we need. And the, the trick is to give us that information without tipping its hand early on. And again, it's a lot of that, as you say, it's it's the mature storytelling. It's the, the show don't tell. But still in a way, I think in terms of pacing that 
we're along for the ride and things move along yeah. quickly enough that we get the information we need. We're moving along with Nina. We go from New York to LA. We, we see the, the sharp contrast between sort of the closed spaces of New York. And as Nina says, you know, she's out there in LA, it's, it's so big and it's, you know, bright daylight. Even the, the place that she's, she's staying at is, um, which is a friend of her agent. Windows everywhere. Lots of windows everywhere. Uh, very spiritual, natural place. We meet the woman she'll be staying with, Lake, uh, who, yep. who quickly you know lets her know that her pronouns are she and her. So it gives us you know this is the type of person L- Lake living is living at, at in Silver Lake, <laughs> yes. California as well. <laughs> exactly. And uh, Nina gets settled in her house, and the first thing that Lake asks her is to help participate in this like event a circle of truth <laughs> event uh, where everybody's sharing about something that they saw that they shouldn't have which is an odd thing um but it's a yeah. it's a fundraiser for like a cat sanctuary um exactly it, it's it's I, I hate to call it it's the this sort of stereotypical you know california you know granola hippie type of event yeah, I- I thought that was, it was really for effect. Yes. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's, for me, it was over the top. I lived yeah. in, in, in LA for almost okay. 10 years and okay. never experienced the cat sanctuary. But <laughs> I mean, I think it's a great idea for the story and, and really is meant to show contrast. For me, again, talking about this first third, it was too much and too stark at the beginning for me to get why they're doing it. But again, it gets paid off so well in yes. the third act um, that it even becomes kind of beautiful in the way that it's awkward. At the beginning, but you never would know that when you're watching this movie. I would think that people who stream this movie, and I, I'm telling this to our listeners now, you may not feel like you want to get through it in those first parts. You might feel like, what is this? Why am I spending time with this? But it really gets to a good place as you keep going. There are great surprises in this movie. Yes. And I think the the key piece, if I'm going to sort of pick apart, you know, it, it's giving us a lot of background. And here we get, I think, one of the key moments, which is Nina's really uncomfortable about sharing a personal experience, which... Funnily enough, Lake calls her out on it and said, well, you know, you, you don't want to share anything personal. I'd love to see your, you know, comedy routine then, which, right, like, and Nina's comedy is very personal. She talks a lot about her body and her sexuality and all of that. So there's this sharp contrast between what she is willing to share and her and her comedy versus these personal interactions, which led to a very interesting uh, this brief discussion about art and Nina is very much about control and how she she works and crafts her comedy. So because she's going to control the reaction that people get, which is very much the opposite of what Lake does. We see her later on doing like trance writing, and so it's it's not about control; it's about openness to experiences. Oh, I didn't even catch that contrast. That's so yes. great. So we've got these these, these polar opposites of Nina about you know, control and, and confinement and, and very much about how she's perceived, whereas Lake is, you know, the exact opposite. So at, it's at, the way she approaches relationships too. Yes. I mean, when she's in control, she feels safe. But as soon as she lacks the control, that's where she's in danger and what she's attracted to, unfortunately. And so right about this point is, I think, where most people would be thinking, okay, what is this? Where is it going? And then I think it it shifts gears into the bulk of the story, which is she's at a, a comedy club because she's, you know, trying to, you know, refine her set, just get out there. And we've got that we've got the whole romantic comedy element taking over now. We've got, you know, this guy that approaches her at a bar, and this is uh Rafe played by uh Common. Common. Right. And so we've got sort of the little like, you know, meet cute scene at the bar, and they, you know, he takes her to a restaurant, they're in another bar. It's very much a different type of relationship than what we've seen from Nina before. It's quick hookup and done, but that's not what Rafe's about. He's setting a very different tone and a very different pace for this. And then we get the introduction of his, one of his former girlfriends uh, that, uh, oh, what yes. what did Nina call her? Ganja. The, gan, well, she called her like the, what is it, like the the 20-something, the you know, named Mid-20s a, mid-20s model, model named after something. weed. Yes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, Ganja. Yes. And then, so we get into the relationship. We've got their, their first date, which is a really extended sequence where he invites Nina over for dinner. He, she thinks he's making dinner. He's ordering in. But they, right. they there's so much time 
time with these two characters, just we get that. I don't know what often happens, I think, in an early romance where it's just a lot of time getting to know each other. And we spend a lot of time with them on this first night. It's a significant sequence that moves in various places in his apartment as they talk about their past. They get to know each other. Um, They're on the floor. On the floor. Overhead shots. Yes. Cutting back and forth on the floor, which I I don't, you know, from a camera perspective, I didn't, I don't think they needed to cut back and forth to the two perspectives. I think they could have just left it there, but it was so long. I think the point that you're making is we were spending so much time with it. I think they needed some camera movement to make it feel like something. Otherwise it would have felt, otherwise I can't imagine what the actors would have done. Because I mean, we're talking about maybe seven minutes. So it was a long time, but in a positive way. It's just that the camera cuts felt a little strange in that section because we're they're so close to each other. You can just frame them up, but right, yeah, uh, I, a great sequence, just you know, in a kind of confusing array of camera work. Well, I think yeah, they got to keep the keep it visually interesting, give us something new to look at every so often. So I think they, you know, we move from inside, they're they're outside for a little while, they're back inside. Yeah. Um, I lost track of time, but at one point they're playing slapsies and he says it's 3 a.m. And then yeah, when in the morning he's leaving for work at 6 a.m. And so somewhere between <laughs> playing slapsies at 3 a.m. and him having to leave work at 6 a.m., they finally sort of cross the line because Rafe has set up this line of, you know, he doesn't want this to be a typical relationship where she just sleeps with a guy and that's it. But eventually sort of... It it breaks down. I think she sort of calls him out on it because she kisses well, him, and, and he, he yeah. yeah, and she finally says like nobody's ever said no to me before, and I think he's yeah, you know, he, he can't say no anymore. No. So, however long that goes on, so I don't know how much sleep Rafe has going to work the next day at six a.m. But very little, very little. But it uh, we've had this great long time to get to know them, and I think what was really interesting. Uh, to me, in getting to know Nina now is she suffers. She she suffers a major panic attack at yeah. this time because this is not the typical relationship. She tries to contact her therapist. She ends up calling Lake and does not know what to do because she does not. She doesn't do this well. She doesn't get close to people, and she's having this feeling of she she really likes this guy, and she does not know how to respond to that. Which you know is we're going to now see what the what impact this relationship has on her how is this going to change her what are the dynamics of the relationship going to be so for me this was a pleasant you know it was the romantic comedy gave me what i wanted i fell in love with the relationship but then this was not at all what i expected was the you know the trauma coming so soon after that well then they have they have other you know crises in between there too i mean they they get into you know they get a little drunk she she gets her she gets her role uh that she's trying so badly they get a little drunk she gets into a fight they get into a fight together then they make up then joe shows up i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff that's really intense and it leads to her having this extremely cathartic negative uh, confession on stage. Well, every, and it, everything comes together because I, I went yeah. back because I watched this about two weeks ago. And so I, I watched it again just to sort of refresh and sort of yeah. key in on the main story points. And everything, everything comes together because first it's, you know, so this is her big stand up performance after getting the she she you know did the audition with the other girls won the part on comedy prime so this is her first show after getting this recognition so there's a lot of people there joe the ex you know from new york shows up she had earlier blocked him so she didn't know he heard about this whole thing so he shows up amy uh, her mom's neighbor no sho- i forgot about amy sh- oh my god shows up as well so we've got yeah, and, and this. tells her to smile tells yes. her tells her why not are you to so negative so negativity yes exactly so she's got uh. all of this um coming at her on this whole thing of yeah because rafe ends up you know well joe's harassing nina so Nina's like, defend me. So Rafe punches him out, which is not what he wanted to do. He, he, no, he's a cop. He, he's upset yeah. because this married cop moved out here from New York for you. like Which she didn't, and she didn't tell she him She didn't about. tell him anything. She had said she had only had one night stands right, before. Right, exactly. So, so this seems right. very different. So yes, yeah, so all of that is happening, and then she's got to go up on stage. 
And she's had she's had Lake tell her, look, you need to be truthful with Rafe about stuff. The truth will set you free. She's, you know, got all of this. So yes, she unloads in just a tremendous performance. And it's And it's shot so beautifully. It's I mean, from the camera the camera from the moment she takes the stage, it's shot behind her. She comes on in darkness and all you see is white light and she's addresses the crowd and you still don't see her face. And then when they've come to her and they start and she starts walking through her trauma very directly, she's, you know, she even sort of gives a little bit of a confession up front. She goes, I, I don't never thought I'd do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. We're just going to have to work it out. And then, you know, they're on her face and everything's silent and they just let her go. And I just thought the choices from the director, from the cinematographer, everything was perfect in this scene. It made for extreme drama and the perfect, the perfect venue for this person to go through everything that she's dealing with on the inside. It was, it was heart wrenching. Exactly. It it was not anything at all that I expected, but no, no, there's no, and there's no clue until this point that this is what's going to come out. No, but it, it's the perfect, I mean, it's what the story's been building to for her. And you can track everything. You know, as I said, all these pieces of her life come together. And so it just pushes her into this sort of crisis point where she's going to spill about everything, which is not a pleasant experience. But it's, you know, even Rafe, he leaves. Um, you yeah. know, it's it's awkward. It's he, uncomfortable. He comes back. He, com- yeah. he comes back. But yeah. Yes. But it's this this whole, you know, meltdown and her just unloading the truth on on every I mean she starts off on just you know calling out Amy uh of like you know you like you know just because you're my mom's neighbor and all of this is like you like these types of things this you know why would you watch my stuff this is not for you and that just builds to yeah this this big reveal and then my question was, well, where do, where does the story go from here? Because if, if I'm tracking a typical story, it's like, oh, you've got the big audition. You, you get the part. Now we've got this, the, you know, if I'm in a romantic comedy, the, you know, the relationship's got to fall apart. There's a moment of self-discovery. Where, where is this going to go? How does this resolve itself into a happy ending? Is it going to have mm-hmm. a happy ending? Is it going to be a tragedy? Where are we going to go with this? And so that's sort of where I, I was counting on the strength of the writing that had got me through to this point to give me a fulfilling ending yeah. on this. Because where where do we go? We've got, you know, right? getting back in touch, trying to get in touch with mom, um, you know, reconnecting with Rafe. Um, we have a scene at the cat sanctuary. So she's, you know, we've got a nice peaceful moment at the cat sanctuary. But then we've got the follow-up meeting with... Um, with Bo Bridges, the head of the head of Comedy Prime, uh, what's his name? Larry Michaels. Larry, Larry Michaels, Michaels, right? Like sort of a Lauren Michaels type of of character, of and it's you know it seems like she's she's become sort of a hot potato. You know, it's she's totally. you know, to- toxic. You know, to this, so she knows she's got to get out there. Um, and so the way it ends, though, I I love how this ended because. She she gets back up on this. She tells her agent, "Look, you got to get me booked. I got to get back on the horse. I got to get back out there." And it basically yep. ends with her saying, "You know, so hey, this is my, you know, this is my follow up for joining me. <laughs> Thank you for my 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 follow up to my to my rape comedy special, you know, type of thing." <laughs> um, yeah. So it's you know, but it, the way that that's shot is we spend time with her getting her. She's backstage in the dressing room, sort of going through her preparation for getting out yeah. on stage. And then she walks out and we get that and then it ends. And I thought that is the way to end the story because it's not about whether or not she gets comedy prime. No, it's not about no, any of that. It, it is so much. And it was such smart writing to get us through all of these pieces. Um, that to watch I, Nina be Nina. Exactly. That was so great. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I, I noticed and it I loved that it was never mentioned commented upon or explained is that after every set she finishes and you you see this in new york and clearly they're accustomed to this habit she has or i guess reflex of she finishes the set she walks off stage and she pukes yeah right right there whereas in california it's like she comes off she's puking on the wall when she (laughs) when they've got the audition oh I, 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 I almost had to look away because she comes out 
and she pukes into the the glass oh. and the girl other ladies are like go ahead drink it and i'm like oh are we going there but right but it is there's something go ahead and there's something else about the trauma in yeah because yes. not just the fact that she does that but then also when she does break down and she has sex with jay moore oh yeah yes. she pukes then too yes. so it has something to do with the trauma yes and her either denying it or trying to, you know, trying to sort of dissociate from it, something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was a great plot device and it was wonderful to see, again, it's a part of Nina, this character who's very real throughout this 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 film and uh, to see her continue it and to tell the story in an interesting way like that. Exactly. And I, I didn't need any of those explanations. I just love that it was consistent throughout yeah. and it was done in a way where I thought the writer knows she she knows why and that's yeah. that, that's all that i need to know is she has her reasons for it and it and it works because it doesn't you know it doesn't detract from anything it's those little things as you said it's the the maturity of the writing that we get these little pieces that just add sort of accents and flavors to the story and the character without us having to have things have somebody you know explain it to us we don't need nina yeah. to give a little side you know monologue about this or anything it's unnecessary That's the really nice thing about yeah. this movie and the script or or just the writing in general because it, you learn to trust the writing by the time you get to the end because exactly like you say there is a reason for why this is in the movie and you believe to trust the writer on it because it was paid off so well and you're just going along with nina through that this whole story i just thought um I was really impressed with it. And the, the other scene that we sort of skipped over, and it to me it was sort of a key moment for Nina, is there's a scene, um, I'm trying to remember exactly, uh, it's after, oh, it's after her first, like, date with Rafe, and she's, you know, having a nervous breakdown, and Lake's like, come over, I'm cooking Mexican food, and just come mm -hmm. over, and Lake's got her girlfriend there, and and Lake and her girlfriend, oh, Paula, right. have, a, have a fight over, like, the sponge in the sink, and it yep. starts off like you just figure they're going to go at it. And then they, they both step back and have this very adult, mature conversation talking about how they feel about this thing. And they work through it. It's amazing. They have this <laughs> logical resolution of like, what if I got one of those little dishes and we can put it in there? I think that's a great solution. Okay. Would you like me to go out and get that? Yes, if you don't mind. And it just, and Nina's standing there watching this. And it's, I don't know, I think a revelation for her of, it's possible for two adults that care about each other to and disagree and disagree and, have an argument. and, yeah. and do it without it becoming violent because Nina's life is so plagued with violence for her to see that this is possible. Uh, Paula. Okay. How many times do I need to tell you not to leave the sponge in the bottom of the sink? Yeah, I know. Uh, no, no, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. I've asked you to leave the sponge outside the sink. So I don't need to move all the dishes on top of it, only to get to it. And when you ignore a request of mine, I feel diminished and rage. <laughs> this right here is rage. Puro encabronamiento. I hear you, and I can understand why you would feel that way. But I want you to understand that when I leave the sponge at the bottom of the sink and put plates on top of it, I'm not doing it on purpose just to piss you off. It's just what I do. I understand that, but that's exactly what pisses me off, that you're not thinking about me when you do that. Okay, um, what if we got one of those sponge holders. That way, maybe if I could see it, it would help remind me to not put it inside of the sink. That's actually a great idea. I mean, it's better than having this point all around. I, I feel that way also. I'm glad that we agree. Now, would you like me to get it? Well, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Okay. Okay. Thanks for listening. You're welcome. I love you, Paul. I love you. I want to pull that scene and give it to my therapist to share with other people that my therapist yeah. is working with. 
<laughs> because it is just it's brilliant and yeah. i and that's stuff stuff like that like everybody needs to see that to be honest and that's and and you talk about the filmmakers giving us nina just standing by and watching this happen where we she becomes the audience surrogate in this moment and seeing this wonderful interaction between two human beings that love each other and are figuring it out i just i thought it was great yeah. I, i'm so glad you brought that up because i totally forgot about it <laughs> so yeah i mean that's i mean that's all about nina it's yeah it, this is why i love doing a trailer rewind and discovering little movies like this that yeah just work so well and have a, a a really great cast and a really small cast. I mean, you've got yeah. Um, I mean, you've got some known faces. Uh, Cameron Manheim plays her her mom. You, you mentioned uh, Jay Moore. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of the other stand up comedians. Um, that she's auditioning with one of them, and I can't remember what her name is. She's on um. That cooking show where they we got, I think we've got Elizabeth Masucci, uh, oh, Mindy where's... Sterling is Amy. She's kind of a character actor, too. Um, let's see, everybody's listed here. I'm looking yeah. at maybe now as we talk about Nicole Byer. Um, Nicole Byer. Nicole Byer. Nicole right, Byer. Yes, she yes. is the one that is like a host of oh, what is that? I can't believe I can't think of that show. That cooking show. That cooking show <laughs> where uh, they they have to like cook something that a, a chef cooks, but they always like blow it, and it's oh, it's called like oh, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, made it perfect. No, it's I'm yeah, gonna get it wrong I, I can't make. I I'm, nailed it. Nailed that's it. What it's yeah, I think she's nailed I, it. I think she's the host on nailed it. I believe. I'm not sure, uh, but okay. again, just just familiar faces and. So we we got through the whole story. We didn't talk about any of the stand-up comedy, but I I do want to talk about some of the cleverness in the writing. And because we do have, you know, Nina's crude comedy up front when she auditions, for me, just because I'm like a film nerd and all that, her whole series of impressions of like Bjork and Werner Herzog ordering at like, you know, a yogurt place. Smoothie. Smoothie spot spot was just... Genius. Now she may yeah. not she may not have gotten Werner Herzog's you know accent correct, but that didn't matter because what he was or what she was having him order was very much exactly what you would expect him to order, and it was just the smartness in the 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 comedy, you know, the the well, jokes and, and all great, of that. Yeah, how great is the writing that you see these characters that Nina pulls off, that Mary Elizabeth Winstead pulls off after we have a scene of her prepping for it. And they're none of the same characters. And we see her prepping and we see her, you know, kind of dealing with her own failure and kind of working through them in the in the scene where she's in the mirror talking to herself and all this stuff. And then we see her rocket, like just kill on stage. And it's just such smart writing because they prep you for one experience and then you live the experience with Nina going the other direction. Um, and they have, you know, all the women comics all behind stage and how they're experiencing everyone's set. I, I just, it was super smart writing. You're right. And it was funny. It was funny. It was clever. And uh, her impressions were, again, whether or not they were perfect, they were funny. Oh, yeah. And so I, you know, this has made me want to go back. And I'd heard of the film Raising Victor Vargas. This is the other feature film that Eva vivas wrote and i remember hearing about it way back in the early 2000s but seeing what she put together with this i thought i need to go back and see everything else is shorts that i i may be able to you know she's got two other shorts she wrote and and directed um that i may be able to find out there on the internet but for me this i'm really looking forward to seeing what she does next right now i see yeah. she's uh imdb says she's directing a couple episodes of party of five the tv series i'm i'm hoping to see another party of five yeah i guess they're, they're, they're coming back out? i get come on if it's not being made into a movie it's coming back on tv <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable that's the, way th- that's the way things go yes it oh is oh my gosh it my is. early college years are going to be all relived yes exactly <laughs> so but yeah i i enjoyed this film so much that i'm really looking forward to see what her next project right. is because if me too if she continues to grow um, as a writer and director, I'm expecting really great things. And I'm going to see if I can track down Raising Victor Vargas from uh, 2002 that she wrote. She didn't direct, but she wrote. Uh, right. So, But again, as we've talked so much about the, the sharp writing and smart writing in this film, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to. 
who is the audience for this film? Because we did talk about triggering things. And so is this, I mean, and as guys, is this a film you're comfortable recommending to a friend that is female? What the film does a lot, does really well is it it gives a lot of heavy lifting and uh, appropriate uh, attention to the women in this movie. Um, And so, yes, I think it is uh, important. For, I think it's important for women to see it. I think it's, um, it, it shows that, you know, that I, what's the test that they talk about in film? Oh, the Bechtel test? They, the Bechtel test. Yes. This is a movie that, oh, that flies yeah. in the face of that yeah. and says, yes, do this. Um, and this is a perfect movie for Trailer Rewind because people aren't going to be able to see this because it was only on four darn screens. And uh, people should see this. Uh, you know, it's intense. If you like drama... And you care about the real life stories of people who have been through trauma. This is a good movie for you because it's well written, it's well made, and it it blows up the Bechtel dust. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think it's it's the smart writing that it stops this from becoming where you could say, "Oh, we, we're going to tackle this, you know, controversial subject matter," without feeling like we're exploiting the characters. You know, it's, right. it's, I think it treats all the characters very smartly and respectfully. You know, there's, there's even a moment where Nina's talking with her agent after the whole, you know, meltdown, you know, routine yeah. and her agent's like, oh yeah, I'll put you in touch with Bunny. You know, she was also a rape victim and Nina's like survivor, you know, just right. to remind her exactly. like, you know, <laughs> and then says, you know, you shouldn't out her like that. Um, so it is, it's, it's, I think an important film in that it's giving people, I don't know, access to a character who's gone through something and to understand um, what a damaged person is like, but also that, you know, we need to be talking about these things in a, in a respectful way it, it, because it happens. I mean, it's the whole Me Too movement and it's, this is a film that does it, but I think in a really smart way, sort of with this hidden romantic comedy sort of nestled in the middle of it. And I never felt like it was comic. Yes. I mean, that, that aspect of it. There was a romance in it, but I think we've done, on, on Trailer Rewind, we've done a lot of movies that are about trauma yes. and, and dealing with trauma. I think this, you know, for my memory, and of course, this is what's fresh in my mind, this may be the best one that we've seen like this. Yes. Um, because I was super impressed with every aspect of the way that they treated the trauma. So, yeah, that, that if you are, if that is something that's good for you, this, this movie is going to be one of the best. So, saying that, where did it land on your flick chart? So... <laughs> I'm not happy with where it ran on my flip chart because I liked the movie so much, but it, it, in its own place, it ends up kind of being a small movie. Right. And I, and when I rank flick chart movies, I kind of have that problem is when a small movie comes up against a, a decidedly big movie yeah. that I, I, it's really hard for me to, to win it over. I think like you think about Comet, that's a trailer rewind movie that's in like the top of our, of my flick chart. Yeah. I, I don't remember what the middle block was at that time, but it probably wasn't a big movie. Well, my middle block right now is Forrest Gump. Oh. So the first movie that all about Nina, Nina comes up against is Forrest Gump. And Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't blame myself. I, I, I don't even really like Forrest Gump that much. That's why it's in the middle. But I can't for the life of me say that all about Nina is you know like that but it's but so it went to the bottom but then it shoots right up into the middle so it's at okay. 112 out of 217 and it's just above another uh, trailer rewind movie Mr. Nobody oh yeah, yeah. Uh, with Jared Leto and then uh, it's just below and I think lots of people have fought me for this one too but Robin Hood Prince of Thieves which in my <laughs> mind I remember as kind of a big movie and yeah. I like it much more than our guys over on the main show did. But, um, and maybe it doesn't hold up as well. I didn't go and watch it before I ranked it. But so anyway, it's one twelve in there and it's, it's a four star movie for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really, really good movie. It just, yeah, when it comes up in battles and flick chart, it's difficult to go. How about you? So I, I think my middle block, I, I don't know what, it wasn't anything monumental that it, you know, knocked it down. So it was able to get up fairly high. It's actually up in about the 75th percentile. It's at one, uh, see when it finished and when I just brought it up, it, it moved a spot. So I, what it ended up between. So it's about one thirteen. it's one twelve or one thirteen. of 469. Yeah. Of of 469. But where it ended up before was right above 
The Revenant, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. bear attack movie, yes. and then right below Big Night, which is oh, is okay. uh, you've you've seen Big Night with Stanley Tucci? No, but I know oh, I know okay. what it's about. Yeah. yeah, I love that movie. Such a great foodie movie. But somehow, when I reloaded my flick chart, it bopped down below The Revenant to be just above Sixteen Candles. So I don't know. It's but it's right in that mm. spot. And see, we sure you get into the top one hundred, and it, it gets really tight up there. So I think yeah, this one um, is probably right about where it, it should be. Funnily enough, uh, j- I drop down another spot or two, and I end up with Scott Pilgrim right there. So another, <laughs> another one. there you go, Ramona uh, Flowers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I I agree. This is a solid four star one. I felt. Uh, when I first saw it, I didn't, I really, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, it was two weeks ago and I started thinking, was that just sort of the, the newness of it of like, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and that did that give me an elevated sense of, you know, the greatness of this film. And then our conversation just reinforced, no, this movie does, does deserve that because of the work that the script does, the, the directing, there's, there's a lot of just solid pieces that make this yeah a good four star yeah. movie to People recommend recommend on Netflix knowing that it's about, knowing that it's about trauma as a right. little little warning uh yes i think we both give this a thorough highly recommended for people that will be okay with a little trigger warning definitely all right Well, for our listeners, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It helps other film fans discover us. And if you choose to support us on Patreon, you're joining a great community of film fans, including some that are really into film as art and some that are just really enjoy entertaining movies. We'd love to have you join our community. There's raging debates right now about Disney Plus, uh, what's going on there. How easy it is to get in is what's there right. worth watching. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be an ongoing debate. There's still, I think, lingering discussions about the Martin Scorsese versus Marvel debate right. going on around there, yep. but lots of great conversations about movies. So uh, I want to send a special thanks to Pete Wright for taking time out of his schedule to edit our episodes and finding finding just the right place to cut out our our fumbles and foibles. We really appreciate that, Pete, for making us sound awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. Well, JJ, it's been another great movie, another great conversation. See you soon. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.